This is the Paulist, a daily comics analysis podcast. I'm Tuplai on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. You can email me at Tuplai at gmail.com. And the website for this um, podcast is Tuplai.tumblr.com, where you can see images that I'll post related to my analysis today. Um, I am an academic and a teacher and a comics reader and critic. Um, and I'm doing this daily podcast as a project to try to investigate and examine um, co- comics from a literary and um, a social and cultural and an artistic and aesthetic perspective um, to try to look at comics and what they do, um, the medium, the industry, the um, cultural force. And uh, today is Thursday, so we do our Thursday throwback. And um, this week, all week long, I've been talking about Jeff Lemire and his works. And you can go back and listen to some prior episodes if you missed them. I want to apologize for um, uh, posting the previous, well, not the previous, because I had a little extra sode in there about the Eisners, um, but the previous um, daily episode. I posted the title of it as a Jeff Lemire, as a Lemire Kent Interviews Paste Magazine. And I think that might have been a misleading title, I realized later, because it might have sounded like I was important enough to actually interview Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent. And instead, it was actually a New Comic Book Day discussion that included um, discussion about a written interview um, facilitated by Sean Edgar for Paste Magazine between... Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent. And so that might have been sorely disappointing. Not that I got any feedback about it, but just looking at it later on, I realized, whoa, that's misleading. Uh, (laughs) um, So I apologize if you went to that track looking for um, an interview with those creators and instead found um, lonely, sad me on a microphone bloviating. (laughs) So Please don't send hate mail. Instead, uh, just accept my apologies. I retitled the the episode. Hopefully, all the uh, podcast feeds have updated that. And at this point right now, um, I'm actually re-recording a segment of audio for this episode. And uh, hopefully, it will retroactively fit. Um, Somehow, the um, file got corrupted for my recording. And so, starting from about eight minutes, you'll hear my original talk and uh, between now and then in the future, um, this is all re-recorded later, later on. So our Thursday throwback is Essex County. Um, all week we've been focusing on Jeff Lemire. And what I want to say about Lemire is that he has grown into this sort of master story crafter, um, as we'll see in Tomorrow's Black Hammer, as you see in his work for DC and for Marvel and for Valiant, that he knows how to spin a, you know, spin a yarn. Um, he knows how to efficiently introduce characters and characterizations with, you know, dialogue and really set up story. Um, we kind of saw that in Plutona too, which we talked about earlier this week. Um, but what I want to say about Essex County is that there is something about it that is a distillation of what I called earlier this week, the Lemiricism. It is a, um, a form of what I think of as comics poetry, a brief story. I started reading, um, Essex County, when um, my daughter was very young and we were still stressing out over nap times and it was just sort of precious time to catch up on sleep when our daughter would take a nap. So I finally got her to fall asleep and I started reading Essex County so that I could, you know, fall asleep. And two hours later, she finally wakes up and I haven't slept a wink um, because I tore through the book and it was so affecting 
that, you know, my daughter woke up to, I think, a more sensitive um, father um, after having read the book. Uh, like the county nurse, I think the, um, the touching story that Essex County was of people taking care of each other, of the quietness of the farm um, compared to the hubbub of hockey and comics in the city, uh, people trying to find their families and find connection, find fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. Um, I should summarize the story. Um, it's about a kid named Lester, lives with his uncle, and he sort of imagines himself as a comic book superhero. And he encounters a man named Jimmy LaBeouf, who works at a gas station, and sort of in a weirdo adult way befriends him. Um, and then later we follow an older man, um, also named LaBeouf, um, who visits, who is visited on a farm by a country nurse, um, and he's dealing with dementia or senility. He's struggling with his own memory and his own clarity. And uh, we find out later that he's a, he was a hockey player, a professional hockey player, and he and his younger brother, also a hockey player, um, and his brother's wife and their family and the relationship that they have um, make up um, the you know that segment of the story. And also we come to follow the country nurse who comes to visit him and take care of him, and we find out her relationship to Essex County's history. Um, and, of course, eventually we find out the relationship between all these characters and the significance of that crow that keeps um, appearing. Um, but really, ultimately, you know, what we see is that I think the crow kind of comes to represent that the book is not uh, just about characters, um, that there is in something in the poetry of the, of, the, of the work that is about a place. It is about a place and a culture. It is about... Um, um, you know, as the title says, Essex County. And I think that that um, creation of Lemire's is really meant to not just um, tell stories about characters, but to represent a certain, um, you know, I think a, a certain kind of a cultural mood, um, a cultural personality of a place. And I think what makes Essex County so unique from the other work that we've seen from Lemire um, is something special about that poetry. It's the thing that kept me up and uh, kept me tearing through the book. It's 500-ish pages, but um, I sort of read it in one sitting. You can read it in two hours. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I might end up repeating some of this later on because, again, this is still part of the post-recorded segment for the lost audio. But um, I think what I want to talk about kind of explicate the ways that I feel like um, in distinction from, you know, later works, um, and with, you know, elements that you can see in Underwater Welder, Trillium, Sweet Tooth, the other sort of Jeff Lemire, um, standard, um, you know, uh, works, uh, especially ones where he is the artist. Um, you can see this kind of artistic sensibility on display. Um, yeah. you know, sort of, um, encouraged a literacy about Canada. Um, and, uh, Essex County does, I think a, um, a remarkable and poignant job of showing what life is like in, um, certain places in Canada. There's a real sense of place about it. Um, a real, you know, there's maps of the sort of Ontario region and, um, you can tell that this is Lemire writing what he knows and uh, what part of what he knows is hockey and part of what he knows is comic books and part of what he knows is the quietness of um, a farm town as well as the, the hubbub of a city. Um, but it just is very profoundly Canadian, I think, and not just in terms of hockey 
and and geography, um, but really in a kind of sensibility, in a kind of um, tone that, uh, to me, um, rings of what I know of Canada. Um, it actually reminds me, to a great extent, of cousins uh, that I have who have grown up and lived in Canada, um, not far from this uh, where this book is set. Um, what makes Essex County unique from um, Lemire's other work, even his later work? Um, so I want to kind of highlight three points that um, demonstrate to me the way that Essex County is comics poetry. And the first is that there's this spareness of words and an intuitive sense of arrangement and this kind of rhythm and pacing that um, has to do, because of course reading comics is not a is not a temporal thing. You know, it's not like watching a movie or listening to a song where the time is controlled. You have to control it through visuals. You have to control to control it through flow and readability, through um, presence and absence of words. And um, and you know, I think that um, when you first read, well, I, I'll be honest, and, and I don't know if this is. I haven't read about the pro, um, Lemire's process of writing this comic, so I'm going to sound like I'm making a lot of assumptions, and I could be radically wrong and somebody can correct me on that but um the few times in my adult life that i've ventured to make comics more for the experience of what it's like than anything um i think a lot of times the comics that i end up making wind up looking a lot like the comics or no that's not true the comics that i envision in my head wind up looking a lot like what lemire does um in most places throughout this book there's something um, spare, as I said. Um, there's something sort of that stretches out. Um, I should say that the collected Essex County is three and then two additional stories, um, three volumes that are co collect collected together, and uh, two additional stories. And um, it's 500-some-odd uh, pages all told. Um, and yet you can probably sit down and read it in an hour or two. And, um, and the reason is because he, um, Lemire has, uh, pages that, um, your eyes can digest in a, in a second. Um, although you cheat yourself a bit to do that. Um, and yet you, you come to, um, sympathize so naturally with the characters, with Lester right at the outset with the, um, you know, sort of craggly wrinkled eyes of um of uh the elder Labouf. i'm blanking on his name i'm gonna get it in a second uh you, you just come to um care so much about the characters that it's compelling reading and you could really flip through it super quickly uh, more than that i think every page has even in its spareness sometimes even in the quick readability of it um great poignancy and sort of hits you um and uh even if you don't dwell in the slowness and the quietness of every page, you can tell that it is in it is conveying that slowness and that quietness. So it's a book that even if you read it fast, you um, wind up feeling it's being slow. Um, I find that this is something that Lemire does really well when he's drawing his own work. Um, so if you read Underwater Welder or Trillium or Sweet Tooth, there's a kind of a way of using um, silences, uh, format, um, 
expressions, repetition of, of panels that he doesn't quite do as much. I think he doesn't demand that of other artists quite as much and almost cl- holds some of those tools closer to his chest um, as if they are, and I think they are, um, almost precious to him um, in that they express something that seems to be very viscerally known, very close to the root and the heart, which is like I was saying earlier, it's kind of the kind of comics that when I sit down to make comics um, without sort of a plan in mind or having had sessions with the guys to map out the story or whatever, um, it's the kind of comics that I write from the poetry in my heart. And um, and he, he kind of takes his time with every every panel. And, um, and I think his use of space and arrangement um, also gives me a sense of something poetic. Um, he, uh, he's in no rush. Um, and yet, uh, I think there is a careful measured quality to his pacing, um, to his pacing of the story, to how slowly he kind of unfurls the details of what's happening, um, uh, of Lester and his mother, of, um, of the two LaBeouf brothers, um, and their, their history with each other. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, Vince is the name of one of them. And the other one, the one who we see through the eyes of through the whole time is Lou. There we go. Lou and Vince. All right. Second thing that I think is part of the Lemiricism, um, is his art. Um, there's an impressionism in his art. It's carefully calibrated. I think it's very intentional. If you look at um, some of the panels and pages, especially ones where he's sort of taking us for a moment to a different place, such as a hockey rink or such as the city or such as, um, you know, replicas of newsprint, um, especially places where, you know, whether they're establishing shots or just sort of in the background, he's really trying to establish the tone of a place geographically. He's definitely uh, capable of very careful and exacting art. And yet, you know, I think what anyone would say about Lemire's art at first glance is that there's a, a sketchiness to it. There's a, almost a, a messiness, which um, if it were just one picture, you would think he's not a really good artist. But a couple of things really um, convince you otherwise. One thing is that uh, there's a remarkable consistency. These characters are um, recognizable. In fact, Many of them look like each other because they're relatives, but um, they're, they're instantly recognizable. Um, Vince has this sort of monstrous size that looks actually a lot like Jimmy, uh, who, who is uh, Lester's, uh, the you know, sort of person who shows up uh, at Lester's uh, play. And um, uh, Jimmy and um, Vince, you know, you almost are confused for a second thinking that they're the same person. And yet they wind up being, and that and yet that winds up being, you know, utterly intentional, as it turns out. And so there's nothing um, unprofessional about Lemire's drawing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, yet there's a kind of squiggliness to his line. There's a, a all or nothing to the um, to the chunks of black, which are very um, smartly placed. Uh, he has a he has a real artistic sensibility. It's consistent. It's um, it's clear. There's not, you know, the kind of struggle of readability that you find in other indie artists who um, don't quite have the command that Lemire seems to have. And yet, um, as I said before about 
both he and Emmy Lennox when I talked about Plutona, you know, there's actually very little foreshortening. There's very little fancy use of perspectives. You know, just compare him to even Dean Ormston, the artist that um, we'll talk about tomorrow with Black Hammer. You know, there's there's fewer of the tricks of comics making. Uh, one of the things that you see early on is you see the kid Lester, um, and he draws a comic book. Uh, he's a kid, and uh, it's a kid-drawn comic book. It looks like the kind of thing that I drew when I was a kid. It, it's pretty hilarious, actually. It's pretty great. I, I kind of wonder if you can even fake this, or if this is, in fact, a comic book, this Power Man superhero comic, if this is, in fact, a Jeff, a nine-year-old Jeff Lemire creation or something like that. Um, but uh, but when you look at that, I think it's almost as if Lemire is saying, oh, you think my art is... Uh, childish huh well here's real childish art and then watch what i do um which what he does is actually you realize poetic once again just like with the storytelling and the language um the art is spare it's impressionistic um there's a single page for instance where um there's really four images uh that are almost exactly the same except in one there's a slammed door and really it's um lester's uncle sitting in the aftermath of a little little argument a little tussle and uh unlike uh brian michael bendis's artists <laughs> who have employ this trick probably because he instructs them to do so and also because it saves them plenty of time um uh, unlike bendis <laughs> bendis artists um it seems like every one of these panels although they're identical you know nearly are also individually drawn there's sort of quirks in each one of them um, as opposed to digitally copied and pasted. Um, and so um, you can see the intention in, in, in pace and space that um, such panels are meant to convey. Um, and then there's all these places where, you know, um, it's even more impressionistic. Um, looking now at a page where uh, there's memories of um, Lester's mother and her final days, and the change in art style is is just sort of ideal. And uh, and then there's other pages where, you know, Lou is walking through the woods and it becomes super impressionistic with the trees and uh, he sort of walks into the water and then there's sort of a, um, an a underwater um, drowning thing that is also a Lemire thing. Um, it's definitely part of uh, Underwater Welter. And um, again, there's a very, very carefully calibrated sense of um of abstractness um you know i've seen a lot of cartoonists especially sort of in the alt indie underground world and you know it it almost seems sometimes and i know this is super subjective um like their scratchiness is laziness you know is like sort of inattention to craft or refusal to be attentive to craft that's not the case with lemire it's clear um, in so many places where his storytelling is so clear um, even a, a, this is not, doesn't give too much away I think to say because you don't know who I'm talking about there's an overturned car at one point with a big rig behind it and even the placement of that thing which you know so much of Lemire is actually just faces and people and gestures and expressions and moments um, craggly wrinkly wrinkly faces <laughs> but there's just this overturned car where um all of the sort of the vector lines are are kind of perfect in conveying the disaster and the the um sort of you know momentary flash of horror 
that is this this overturned car this car accident um and then finally i think all of that leads to this last bit of um my my theory of uh of jeff lemire poetics which um i'm gonna turn to a um a poet named barbara guest who is a new yorker who um has written a poem essay-ish type thing uh, called Invisible Architecture. You can uh, Google search Invisible Architecture by Barbara Guest. And it's it's a poem. It starts as a poem and sort of becomes a um, becomes prose for good reason. And essentially, I'll read some snippets of the poem. Uh, the reason I'm reading is because I actually kind of theorize that this is something like what Lemire does. Um, and he... Uh, he he uh, he has a way, I think, of starting not with um, this. Well, at least in the case of um, underwater. I'm sorry. At least in the case of Essex County. Although I'd make the argument that he does the same thing in Underwater Welder and in um, in Trillium. Uh, and so, uh, and maybe some of his other work too. But um, the poem go- starts. There's an invisible architecture, often supporting the surface of the poem, interrupting the progress of the poem. It reaches into the poem in search for an identity within the poem. Its object is to possess the poem for a brief time, even as an apparition appears. An invisible architecture upholds the poem while allowing a moment of relaxation for the unconscious, a period of emotional suggestion, of lapse, of reliance on the conscious substitute words pushed toward the bridge of the architecture an architecture in the period before the poem finds an exact form and vocabulary. Before the visible appearance of the poem on the page and the invisible approach to its composition, reaching out to develop the poem, there are interruptions, some apparently for no reason. Something else is happening. The poet has no control. The poem begins to quiver, to hesitate, to become insubstantial. The desire of poetry to elevate itself, to become stronger. The poem is fragile. It needs to reach through the armed vehicle of the poem to loosen the armed hand. Losing the arrogance of dominion over the poem to an invisible hand, the poet campaigns for a passage over which the poet has control. Yet the unstableness of the poem is important. Also, the frequent lapses of control of the poem. The writer only slowly retains power over the poem, physical power, when the poem breaks away from the authority of the invisible architecture. Um, there's a couple more paragraphs and uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but if you look at the poem visually, it starts in uh, a kind of verse with the kind of line breaks that you expect from poetry and gradually looks more and more like an essay Um, as guest demonstrates through the written piece and the the visual form uh, what she's trying to say, I think. And I think that's actually a perfect description for um, Lemire's poetry in these works, especially the ones where he is um, writer artist there's a kind of way that he um, almost relies upon a kind of invisible architecture, uh, a way that a way of storytelling that has that has primacy uh, over you know the the um, obligations and the demands of you know setting up this tension or introducing this conflict or moving the character at this pace or doing this exposition. Uh, instead, I think he lets that architecture as it as um guests calls it a period of emotional suggestion of lapse of reliance on the unco- of the conscious substitute words um there's almost a reliance on the power and poignancy of the emotions 
first before the um, tides of story start to carry the, um, the work. And I think you see that in Essex County. Um, and I think it's part of what makes the book so affecting. Um, and it's part of what makes Lemire's work so affecting. He still does it to some extent in his uh, superhero work and in the other work that he does. But, of course, you can't get away with it quite so much, which is probably why I think he he enjoys um, just doing his own comics, too. He sort of, you know, keeps tabs on that vein. Um I, I would even say it comes out to um, maybe a, little more, a more limited extent, but um, to some extent with Descender. Um, and, uh, and all of it contributes, all of it seems necessary for him to be about the things that he is about, which I think at first, you know, sort of overtake him before he has control or handle over the theme, which is why it's not surprising that so many of his works wind up with exactly the same themes, because it's almost as if the themes... Um, propel a story of a certain form and then they make themselves apparent as themes as um, as time goes on you know um, themes that you see in Essex County themes of what we as I said yesterday what we long for and um, themes of um, the wistfulness of that longing themes of our desire to protect and to um, to to look out for to be to be connected to be rejoined to be reconciled um, and yet, um, our inability, uh, to do that in our times. Um, and, uh, and you know, Hey, we're all the country nurse and the crow flies. <laughs> and if you haven't read the book, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And maybe if you have read the book, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know if I illuminated anything. Um, it was just fun to talk about Essex County at last. I love the book and, um, and thank you, Jeff Lemire for it. Um, all right, that has been um the essex county thursday throwback tomorrow i'll be back to talk about black hammer number one and then i said i was gonna go on a hiatus and then i didn't and then so and so i might actually after that i might skip the saturday super friend as inviting and intriguing as it is to talk about some of the dc rebirth issues that have been out um uh yeah gotta um gotta take care of some family things as well as my studies. Um, but thank you for listening. Um, listen, I would love a message. I'd love for you to reach out um, and to, uh, you know, write me at tuply at gmail.com or tweet me at, at tuply, T-W-O-P-L-A-I, on Twitter. Okay, thanks, and keep reading. <laughs>